This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Brought to you by MyPlates.com. Upgrade your license plate at MyPlates.com. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are very excited about tonight's show. We've got a we've got a ton of stuff to talk about, and everything from Formula One. That's Jonathan Green. You hear in the background. He's excited, he's, and he's excited. Yeah. And uh, we got we're going to talk Formula One, and we're going to talk a little MotoGP, a little yeah, Pirelli yeah, World yeah, Challenge. Yeah, yeah. Bunch of events happening at Circuit of the Americas, and we also have a badass race driver coming on the show. We have Lawson Oshenbeck coming on the show. Be fun to have him back. He 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 loves Austin. He does love Austin. Well, this is John Massengale, and that's Les Kaiser. You here, and Jonathan Green down in uh, in New Zealand over Skype. How's it going, Mister Green? Good afternoon to you, gentlemen. How are you? Well, we're doing awesome. I know it's afternoon to you. It's a little evening time for us, and we are very excited about the show tonight because not only are we going to talk to that race driver, Lawson Oshenbeck, but we're also going to – one thing we're going to do is that tonight we're going to feature the Haas F1 team because they they put out a, a secret document that only we have that we pulled right off their website. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody else had something else to do today. No, it's good stuff. It just came out today. And there's we're gonna, a lot of cool tidbits. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff about the team and, uh, and what's going on and the testing that they're doing and the new car and the new driver and everything that's going on with Haas F1. So we're going to spend a, quite a bit of time on Haas F1, and we are also going to talk a lot about the launches that are coming up, not only the Haas F1 launch, which is one week from today, the Haas F1 team is going to launch their car, but we're going to talk about all the other Formula One team launches. And there's some other stories in F1, like uh, there's some Lewis Hamilton's been in the news and uh, talking about some different things, a bunch of stories from F1. So uh, let's, you know what, let's do, let's jump right into, Jonathan, I want to start with you because I want to, I know you have been a part of these Formula One launches for a couple of decades or more now, and and I want to I want to get your take on, uh, you know what it, what's the uh, in your mind what's the most exciting? I mean, we got Haas F one, but you know the, the changes or anything big expectations for the launches coming. Well, it's fine because the launches over the years have sort of changed. Um, it used to be an extravagant affair where the Spice Girls would entertain and the McLaren would come out of out of a box or whatever it might be, um, and it used to be a big deal. And then, of course, money got tight and uh, the launches became more and more simple. Um, but there's always a little bit more excitement when there is rule changes like this year. And I think there is a lot more anticipation than in previous years, especially this year, uh, because we really don't know who's going to do something special. And when Adrian Newey is at the center of it all uh, for Red Bull, as he has been for Williams and he has been for, you know, for many years, when he starts designing, everybody gets excited, everybody ups their game. And literally starting tomorrow with Sauber, uh, we'll start to see the new look Formula One. And we'll also get all the way through this week and at the end of that week, see Haas. So 
it's always good. And, you know, I'm particularly looking forward to seeing what Renault can do. It's a massive year for them. We saw that um, even though um, uh, Red Bull rebadged at Tag Heuer last year, the Renault engine, and now it's a works team with two very good drivers. I'm excited to see what they come up with. They're confident that they can challenge Ferrari. So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. And, and like I said, with, with new rules, it's always good to see if anybody's taken a slightly different, different um, innovative move. Well, it's uh, it's great that we've got all these kind of staged out like this, like we always do. But it's pretty cool to see Haas have won at the end. I don't know why. I, I, I maybe just anticipation. anticipation. Yeah, there you go. I'm excited. Yeah, so see. they can redraw just in case. <laughs> yeah, last minute changes. Hey, and you know maybe they're just going to put photographers at all the other releases and <laughs> and review the photographs. There you go. Well, and so obviously, right not long after that, we got testing, and we're going to talk about what Haas is going to be doing for that. We got testing coming up two two different test events, uh, both of those coming up pretty quick. In fact, February twenty seventh through March second in Barcelona, and then again March seventh to March tenth in Barcelona, and then boys, not long after that, in uh, March twenty third through the twenty sixth. We kick off the F1 season in Australia as usual. That, I mean, guys, that is not long away. Albert Park. And I love that setting. Jonathan, I, I think it was you that were telling us the story about how that, that's almost like having an F1 race in Zilker Park here in Austin. It pretty much is because it's downtown Melbourne and it's it's literally right in the middle of town and um, it's really one of the most exciting Grand Prix to be to be at um, because the whole city just uh, lights up with the sound of the of the cars and it's now one of the longest standing Grand Prix. Um, they take a lot of pride in Melbourne. Um, they have a track, um, an actual track, uh, two hours south, which is where the bikes are, of course, Phillip Island, um, MotoGP and um, World Superbike go there, but it's not big enough for Formula One cars or wide enough for formula one cars and really it's a it's kind of a purpose built for motorbikes in some ways although they do have some cars uh, racing there but albert park is great because you literally you can stay at a hotel and almost look over the track and it's kind of cool and it's also uh, so different to the two testing you mentioned the testing well both tests um february 27th and march 7th are going to be at barcelona which of course is a formula one spec uh, like cota circuit so you couldn't get any more different. So even though the testing will tell us a lot, it won't tell us what's going to happen at Albert Park because the circumstances, the track, the temperatures and everything will be different. And so Albert Park will still be, uh, you know, a vaunt into the dark for a lot of these new teams. So don't think that everybody's sorted if, if Mercedes are at the top of the timetables uh, after Barcelona. It won't be a surprise to me. Well, you know, uh, Jonathan, I know you're a long ways away from us, but there was a little tidbit of news that came out this week. Talking about street racing. Oh, yeah. And Austin. <laughs> now, we don't have a lot of info on it, but there is a movement to get Formula E to come to Austin, Texas and race Austin on the streets. Downtown streets. Yeah. What do you think about that, yeah. Mr. Green? Well, I read it. And I have to be honest, and you know I'm not a, you know, I haven't been convinced by electric racing. I am convinced that they're onto something when they do it through the city centers. I, I just, given that we've got a Formula One track, which which basically trumps anything out there in the world at Cota, I can't see how another racing event in Austin would really capture, you know, capture the imagination. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I, I just don't see it. Uh, Austin has so many events downtown, and you, you see people like myself who live downtown kind of sigh when there's another <laughs> bat, bat expo, you know, bat fest or another, you know. We've got so many different things downtown. Now, I know for the hardened fans, 
fan, it would be great, and I think we'd get a lot of interest from Dallas and Houston. I just don't. I just. I don't. I still don't see it myself, and I don't think we need it because we've got one hell of a racetrack doing a hell of a job. All righty. So, so you know, I'm not a strong advocate of Formula E. Well, I think that's safe to I'm say. I'm just not a big fan yet. I don't know why. I just I, haven't gotten excited. You know, this excited weekend about was a good know, race. This, yeah, yeah. This weekend was a good race. But uh, here's my thoughts: is uh, you know, we've had a couple of the folks that have been to it tell us what it's like, and it's more about a party that there happens to be a race in the middle of it. Well, you know, Austin yeah. can throw a party, and so that's true. You know, what if uh, we go back and and you know, John, I know you went to them. The River City Road Races of Aquafest <laughs> days, yeah, downtown along the lake. Are you calling me old? <laughs> no older than me, but you know it was uh, in the middle of a music festival. Austin Aqua Festival was music, arts, and sports, and it was cool downtown. Yeah, and it was, it was nothing like ACL, which ACL yep. is absolutely popular, but it was everything mixed up. Um, and uh, my thoughts are revive that there on Auditorium Shores. You know when y'all come to. Austin, you see that lake that goes along the south edge of downtown. That road that goes right next to that park was part of the race course. Hmm. And I, I love. Actually, I would love it if it happened. I'm. I think Jonathan's being very logical, and, and it's probably being the smart way about this. Obviously, I think it would be killer if it happened. And I had a couple people that are not big race fans that that know that I am, obviously, and they were saying, "Wow, that'd be really cool." And they were like, "You know, it wouldn't be any worse than it'd be less impact on the city than closing like what was this weekend was the uh, oh yeah the marathon the downtown. marathon the the Austin Marathon and they I don't know how much of the city they closed for that I didn't even attempt to I go got downtown. traffic alerts for that and uh, it would be less impact and wouldn't it be cool to see a race car screaming across the Congress Avenue well, that's Bridge. just it, John. You just said it there. I'm sorry. I'll have to stop you right there. There's no screaming, John. That's the problem. There is no screaming in Formula E. Now, bring me the V8s. I shall bring them back with me if you want. Now, that I can see downtown, and that I can see getting very, very people are very, very, very excited about. But mm-hmm. no, no okay. screaming there's involved. No crying in baseball, and there's no screaming in Formula E. Just, just. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> well, wait a minute! Didn't like we, most we golf did a, carts? Yeah. We did a test of, of a race car screaming across the Congress Avenue Bridge with a Formula One driver in it. Shh. Not that anybody. We promised Alexander Rossi we would never acknowledge it. <laughs> we got to dig that out, out that happen. footage. And <laughs> but, it didn't uh, happen. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and you were facing backwards Saturday morning, and, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't break that car. And so, uh, but no. The, you know, the Formula E is, you know, as has been described more than once to us, is more of a festival and a music event kind of thing, technology event, that there happens to be a race mixed amongst it. That yep. could fit Austin's technology environment really well. Yeah, that it's was Very definitely point. environmental. Yep. You, know, it, you know, the guys aren't doing, you know, giant smoky burnouts and loud exhausts, so, you know, I might be slow to come around, but... I'd like to, I'd be you there. know, when you hear them on TV, they actually, they have a, a pretty loud electric sound, you know, the same kind of sound that you hear on hybrids and stuff, but about 10 times louder. So I don't think they'd be whisper quieter. Well, anything, you've lived but. next to a golf course, so you obviously recognize it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on. We'll keep the, we'll keep an eye on this story to see if anything comes of it. Uh, Jonathan's being logical. Do they wear ugly checkered pants when they drive Formula E cars? <laughs> it's not. It's not the same technology as golf carts. Sorry, Les. Oh, so Jonathan, I want to ask you this. Um, so we've got obviously we got Formula One, all the testing and everything coming up, and uh, with you know with the race season not too far away. Um, 
we're we're going to go into in depth with Hasef one, but what about the uh, what about the rest of the teams, the different, you know, the drivers that have that have changed and uh, and and the rule and obviously the new rule changes with the cars, with the wider tires and everything. You know, what are you looking forward to the most, or what do you think is going to be the best, biggest impact on the change from a change standpoint? Well, to be honest, as you know, not a technical man, not a pistons man. And when he says things like that, we drop him. So, <laughs> but uh, you yeah. know, the the changes that are coming, we we talked about them a little bit last year, uh, last week. I love the tire size change. I love the wings changing. To me, it is uh, very much kind of a, a historic. You know, it goes back in history to it, and that's where things come up to me and that's going to be exciting yeah well you know the big thing is is that the cars are going to have a a much higher level of downforce and you know something that that i was thinking about and obviously this has been discussed but i want to talk about it here is the fact that these guys are going to be able to take some of these corners with all this extra downforce all the wider tires i mean we're up to 405 millimeter rear 305 millimeter front tires uh, and, and with all the different aerodynamic stuff. So these cars are going to have a lot more downforce. They're going to be able to go through corners flat out now that last year they had to lift for. Well, you know, you're right. And they've already started training. They actually started towards the end of last year to start doing uh, different types of training to help them with G-force even more so, to step it up a little bit further. Uh, it's not as if they're in weightlessness and dealing with this, but the weight to it really is going to change the G-forces that they're dealing with. Yeah. So they're starting to work out with weights and, and a little different approach uh, yeah, to really even take more to the so next than, level. Than, than normal. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll get Jonathan back after that. But when we come back, we're going to go in-depth on the Haas F1 team and the information they released today and talking about what they're doing for 2017. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after these messages. Fifty-seven Chevy, a Rembrandt painting, the little black dress. When you're a classic, you never go out of style. And now, MyPlates.com proudly announces the return of the classic black Texas license plate for the first time since 1968, featuring a cooler, timeless look and a bolder style. Visit MyPlates.com today to order this legendary classic black Texas license plate for your car or truck. Classic black is back at MyPlates.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Ambi Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Ambi Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Ambi Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Super Sport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. 
Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. You have made the right choice. Talk 1370. So Andy Prio driving for Ford Chip Ganassi Racing and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. All right, we're going to jump right into the Haas F1 2017 expectations and the, th- the things they released today. It wasn't, I say released, it really was just a, a document talking about what their expectations are. And hey, and I, I hope y'all are following Haas, you know, at least as much as we are. It's HaasF1team.com is uh, where you can check it out. There's a lot of cool information going on there. And uh, the release today out of Kannapolis was regarding what was going on for this year, some of the changes. And uh, they actually talk a little bit about the training themselves in this. And so that's really cool. But uh, one of the things that, you know, it may not be pronounced really huge in this article that they released, the, the press release, is that this car was built from scratch again for 2017. Now, you think about the budget that's involved in that. You know, we saw it for 16. Yeah. Certainly it was their first year, and they weren't going to take – anything from anybody else on it but uh for 17 they did it and it's yeah. really really a a good strong financial statement to deliver a, a new car again yeah the well, second year yeah and you know the, the one of the big things for us you know obviously trying to be uh unbiased and talk about everything but obviously with an american f1 team and american show here we're going to talk a lot about Haas f1 and we're going to root for them and Obviously, we want to see them do well. Uh, last year is going to be, I mean, it was such a fantastic start. And I say it's going to be hard to top us what I was about to say, but who knows in this new new format where they have basically uh, used so many parts that they, from Ferrari and uh, all the Delara chassis and everything else. But they are talking about what the expectations are for 2017. And the big thing they're saying is that, so last year they had to start everything from scratch hiring people and getting them you know used to the processes that they had but this year they get to focus on just the car so this year the expectations are high and and in gene haas we you know we put out a tweet with a quote on there he's he basically is saying we think we can do a little better than last year and move up a couple of spots you know they finished eighth in the constructors championship last year if they could move up to sixth in the constructors championship, that would be huge. They've dethroned somebody on that. Yeah, if they do that, and you know, I mean, we can't obviously read this entire article, but I encourage you to go check it out. It is a really methodically thought out process they're going through. The other thing is, uh, Gunther Steiner talks about the relationships we now know each other with their vendors amongst the team, the drivers. You know, certainly we've got a new driver there with Magnuson, but they already have known him for a while, and he's come in early enough. They're getting to know him. Mm-hmm. It's really a, an awesome setting that uh, they started these discussions. They started these developments, you know, certainly last year, and uh, they'll carry forward. They now have an entire season of data for them, and so that's a big, big part of it, and that now they have a baseline of the 16 car and, you know, I'm sure there's something of value in that, whereas before the data they had uh, was from another team with another car that wasn't competitive, et cetera. And so 
those uh, those points they've got those 20, 29 points wasn't it were yeah a lot of value in getting those 29 points so 17 I'm, I'm pumped just in case you didn't pick up on it yeah and uh and we're talking about magnuson uh obviously grosjean scored every point last year not because Gutierrez didn't finish 11th, uh, I don't know how many times, something like Oh, yeah, he was times. the bridesmaid or runner-up so many times. But, uh, but now I want to go back to something you said about the team. Think about any team sport, which is absolutely a team sport here at Formula One, in that they talk about team chemistry and, and being able to, to uh, the, the more you work with them, the better you all get as a team. Well, just think about that, everything from... Uh, the engineering side to the pit stops to communicating with the drivers. Um, you know, the one thing that I did, I think that all those things make a huge difference. But, you know, the one thing I looked for the, in this article that was not mentioned at all, the brakes. Because you remember last year, I think it was the right. brakes were probably the thing that held them back the most. You remember how frustrated Grosjean got about the brakes and screaming and yelling about how the, you know, the car won't stop and, and won't act right. They didn't. They didn't talk about that at all here. But again, hey, you, with you, such a new car, yeah. You mentioned the downforce earlier and the speed and the g forces that are involved in it. So, in one particular turn at Barcelona, they're talking about turn three. They're estimating an increase of 19 miles per hour faster than a year ago. In that, that is a whole lot of corner speed difference. Yeah, and so that'll give you a, a pretty big idea on what they're talking about. You know, it, it is going to be very different. And then the tires, the tires are going to be different. Imagine what all Pirelli's gone through. For one, they just had to come up with a new tire carcass and casing and everything and get that going. And now it's it's wider and everything. And now it's, they're dealing with even more G-force. All of this is very different. Everything about that, I mean, you know, short of a couple ingredients, I think that tire is completely new now. Yeah. Well, obviously dramatically wider, 25% wider. and But the rest of the car, too, the rear diffuser is lower and wider. Um, the there's, there's dramatic differences in the front wing. Not only is it, it's a completely different shape now. It's that V shape, and that's a mandatory shape by Formula yeah, One. Yeah, the leading profile is set. Yeah, it's very different. There's a lot of, this is a big, big change in year, in, you know, year to year. And with this dramatic increase in downforce, it's going to be interesting. But you realize, less that the first test is a week from tomorrow. So on the 27th. All right. And so let's talk about the Gene uh, Gunther Steiner, actually, team principal, talked about what the what the expectations are for the test. And, you know, in the says in the first session, they're just out there to make sure everything's functioning, you know, get it out there and right. get, it, get it warm and kind get of a it. shakedown. Exactly. Shakedown. And in the second part, they try to get performance. The first thing they do is get make sure everything's working and then. And then they try to get speed. And then, of course, really the goal is is to get to that performance side as fast as possible because the more laps that they get at speed is the more they're going to learn about the car. You know, they, they get that baseline and then they go from there. Right. And, you know, that's that's something that, you know, goes on all the time. Remember, they're not going to be able to make serious changes once the season starts. And so this, this is down to, uh, you know, proofs on the pavement is – one of the car companies says it is uh, very definitely something that this is what they've worked all year for in the development. You know, they actually started working with the vendors part of the way through last season, uh, getting through that. Some of the cars I heard on uh, one of them is they actually have not finished assembling some of the cars that they will actually lead up till right before they crate the car and ship it off to Barcelona for testing. You know what, though? I remember that from last year. It was the same thing. I mean, I know it was the first year last year, too, but 
Uh, and, and you remember they did have some troubles. They the very first day of testing last year, it went great. And then the second day they had troubles, but uh, but they did. They went right up to the last minute working on that car. I have a feeling the most stressful job in that team is the logistics guy. Oh yeah, yeah. That would not be uh, that would not be fun if I were him. But um, the the one of the big things that that they talk about in the in, in this article and talk about getting ready to last from last year to this year is um, is that they just they're, they're so much more organized. They have so many less question marks overall. So well, it's like running a, a football play, if you will. If you and I played together last year, now we know the playbook yep. and I can tell John, go run this play. And I know where you're going to be when I throw the ball to you. Yeah, it's true. Now, wait a minute. Why are you the quarterback in this scenario? Because you're faster. <laughs> running <laughs> all right well we're going to go ahead and take a break when we come back we are we're really excited because we're going to have a, a fantastic race driver lawson Oshenbeck, and he's going to be he's coming here to austin for a couple of different races so tune in after the break you hear all about that and we'll be live with him listen to speed city live from austin back up these messages I am an official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I'm here to say it's time to get personal, people. Tell the world who you are with a personalized plate from MyPlates.com, like me. I'm talking favorite color, favorite team, favorite charity, and, of course, favorite state, Texas. Add your own message, and then the magic really happens. I'm the official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I want to be your license plate. Go to MyPlates.com and order me today. Now that's what I'm talking about. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only Envy Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by Envy Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Thanks for making the right choice. I don't know where I would get the truth if it weren't for you. Talk 1370. Hello, I'm Felipe Massa, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. That's cool. I forgot. When did we get Felipe Massa on there? Uh, He was hanging out here at Coda, having a good time, and... uh he was just telling us about, uh, you know, that was that was still while uh, he wasn't dreaming of retirement. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These uh, he's another guy that enjoys coming to Austin. 
Yeah, I think I think a few handful of these boys like to come into Austin, Texas. All right, well we are we're really excited because we've got our next guest. I think I see the producer hanging up the phone now to uh, to get our guest on the call, and we're excited. This gentleman has has come to Austin several times. He's come here for the Pirelli World Championship uh, and he Pirelli World Challenge, excuse me, and he's also come here and raced for IMSA. And he's going to do think he said he comes for the barbecue, too. I know he said the food. So <laughs> we're very excited. Uh, we're, we're excited. Welcome, Lawson Oshenbeck. Lawson, welcome to Speed City. How you guys, how you guys doing tonight? Uh, we're doing great. Doing how are great. you? Well, thanks for having me on. No, I'm doing great. Good end to the weekend with the family and uh, ready to uh, talk some racing. That's right. You got a, you got a new family, don't you? New New wife and baby, right? Yeah, I've been married uh, a little over three years now, and we had our, our first child a uh, little over a year ago. So it's been, uh, wow. been a, a fun time, an interesting experience becoming a dad. It's been um, a great experience, and it's it's fun to see them grow and get bigger. And we took her to the tennis courts for the first time today at 14 months old, so she's uh, already <laughs> loving tennis, so I'm happy with that. Well, awesome. congrats on uh, the new family member. And uh, have you started working with shift patterns yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The, the funniest thing about it is we have this little push cart thing. It's a little pink car that she sits in, and you can push it from behind. And and every day, all she wants to do is get in that car and go outside. And if you start going too slow, she starts jumping up and down in the seat. If she wants you to go faster and start doing wheelies. So, it's in her DNA. Love it. Love it. So How's like, mom oh, feel about man. that? Uh, I, we've been trying to push, like, tennis or Barbie dolls or soccer or anything, but she just wants the cars. So That's one so of my twin might, daughters. Might, yeah, <laughs> we might have a little racer on our hands. We'll see what happens. That's awesome. Well, Lawson, I want to jump right into some racing. I know you um, – You've got six championships under your belt, and I was like, that's that's pretty amazing. Four in the Pirelli World Challenge and a couple others. Uh, obviously, you had a, a fantastic career, and, and, uh, and this year, driving the Audi, I know you're going to be racing at Austin twice, I know. We'll talk about Pirelli mm-hmm. World Challenge, too. But i got to jump in and talk about the, uh, the IMSA Series this year with you guys racing the Audi. Um, mm-hmm. Give us a little preview of that and how, what you guys are, how it's been so far. Well, so far it's been great. We, um, you know, we we made a little bit of a change within the team at the end of last season, and uh, we brought in a different engineer, and we also went from two Audis down to one. Um, and Andrew Davis and myself are staying in that Audi for the season, and Robin Liddell and Matt Bell, who were driving Audis last year, they're actually going to get moved over to a Camaro program in the Continental Tire Challenge. So I think the team structure-wise has been – uh, you know, a bit hectic for everybody, but I think it's been a really good opportunity to have two A cars in two different series, and that way we're both focused on winning races. And um, I know, I know, I know the whole team is really excited about it. But so far, it's, it, we've had a good start to the season. You know, fourth at the Daytona 24 Hour, we were um, you know on the lead lap, you know, right there at the end and battling, battling for the podium. We. We didn't quite have a straight line speed to just try to pass people and draft by them on the, on the banking. So uh, Daytona was a bit tough on, on that front. But we had an unbelievable race. You know, we had we had fast pit stops, great driver change, perfect strategy. Um, you know, we, uh, realistically, we had a problem-free race. We ended up fourth. Not what we wanted, but we're, we're still happy with it. And uh, I think we're carrying a lot of momentum into Sebring and uh, the rest of the season. 
Well, I know you say you guys are happy with a, a fourth place finish to start the season, but uh, I know you, and I remember last year when we talked, uh, uh-huh. the, the thing that, that stuck in my mind was the fact that you expect to win every race, but I, that, uh-huh. that anything below that is below your expectation. So what do you guys, what do you guys think are going to be, are, are, you, are there some specific things that you're doing that you've learned at Daytona and that you're, that you're going to be either changes to the system, the car, what, what are you guys going to try to do to, to, to win? Well, you know, that's a good question. Uh, you know, the biggest thing from Daytona, you know, after the race, we sat down, we started looking at data, you know, going through driver reports, um, you know, the whole team at that time had, had the race on their mind. They're trying to figure out where do we make mistakes? What can we do to correct that? And when we go back there next year, what can we do to win? And I think I, you know, I personally have a pretty good idea. I think we missed it a little bit on the setup, which is, you know, it happens. Right. And, um, the funny thing is, with November, the November Daytona test, December Daytona test, and then the roar, our car was really good. And, and we were very happy with the setup and long run capability and tire longevity. And we got into the race weekend, and all of a sudden the track changed. And I think it changed a lot, a lot more than we realized and a lot, of, you know, a lot more than what a lot of other teams realized as well. So we were a little bit on the back foot after the first session because we realized everything had changed so much. And Historically, I think we realize that that's actually been happening often. So, you know, obviously going into next year, we'll think of that. But now moving forward to Sebring, you know, Daytona is kind of a unique track because it's it's all about straight line speed. But, you know, trying to balance that straight line speed versus some of the braking and cornering and high speed grip to something like the bus stop. Now you get to a place like Sebring. You have so many different types of corners. You've got high speed. You've got low speed. You've got heavy brake zones, light brake zones. Um, you've got uh, late apex corners, early apex corners. You've got rough spots. You've got uh, smooth areas. I mean, you've got a whole gamut of of different types of corners and, and attributes and uh, of the track and and uh, and so forth. So, going into the test, which we have this coming week, you know, we're we're really focusing on trying to maximize realistically grip level. You're not so worried about top speed there. You're trying to maximize your your arrow trying to maximize your braking and then your ability to, to handle the bumps. And if you can really get those three sorted out, the car will come to you. Um, I know that sounds like a lot, but in the end, I mean, you know, as, we, as we've come, come to understand with these GT3 cars that are so high tech, there's so much technology, there's so much stuff involved with them. You really have to hit, hit the nail on the head on a lot of different parts before you can really start going fast. And, and with our Audi, we're very fortunate to have a car that likes high downforce. Um, and, you know, with some of the high speed corners like turn one, turn 17, um, some of the corners like Bishop's Bend and so forth, you know, downforce makes, makes a big gain there. And uh, we're going to try to maximize that. And hopefully we can, you know, uh, strategize and have a good pit stops and have everything that we did, you know, or basically follow what we did at Daytona up with, uh, with a good finish. You know, you talk about the Audi and the downforce. You kind of read my mind because one of the questions that I, I always think of when, uh, especially in this kind of racing, is what is the strength of the car? You know, every car is a little different, and and that's what makes it fun in my mind is that the cars are different and they all have different strengths. Is, is downforce the strength? Is uh, is is the technology? What what is the strength of this car? I know you've raced lots of different kinds of cars. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say when you look at the whole spectrum of GT3 cars, I think the Audi is more on the higher downforce side. Um, I think you can look at that. And the only, the only car that maybe is a little bit more heavy in downforce would be the McLaren. 
Um, luckily we don't have to race them. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's nice. But, um, but for us, it's really going to be high speed, high speed tracks where you need a lot of downforce. So I think our car really excels at places like Watkins Glen, Road America, um, you know, even Lime Rock, um, areas where you don't have too many bumps. Um, you've got really heavy brake zones where you can maximize that downforce. And then also places, you know, you go to places like the carousel in Road America, um, you know, the bus stop and, and frankly the, the, you know, carousel at, uh, at Watkins Glen, it's corners like that, that this car really comes alive. And it's not that we can't race on tracks that are rough or we don't have a lot of grip level, you know, and, and power down or, or medium speed corners. But, but in the end, this car really seems to take to those high speed, um, very fast tracks. And because of the downforce we have and, and the way we can create our setups, you know, the car seems to be very good on the brakes as well. So we might not have the straight line speed of, of other cars. You might not have maybe the torque of other cars, but you know, we can obviously try to throw it under them into a corner and use that braking to make the pass. So, um, you know, going into Sebring, like I said, you have a little mix of both, like, or, you know, actually uh, corners. So it seems like it's kind of anybody's game when you get to a place like Sebring. I'm loving hearing Lawson describe all these pieces of other mm-hmm. tracks. Yeah. So Lawson, I got to ask you, you obviously like really analyze a lot of details on the track. Uh, walk us through a fast lap of Coda, how you would describe it to somebody no. from your driver's seat. Yeah. Well, Coda, Coda is a very tough track. It's, it's very technical because you have a lot of S's. Um, you've got these constant transitions back and forth, right to left. And, and they're high speed, they're low speed, they're medium speed. So you have a whole, I mean, a whole range of corners. But the one thing Coda has that's very different from a place like Sebring, for instance, Coda is very smooth everywhere. You know, you might have yeah. one or two bumps here and there, but it is smooth. So, so that track also, I would say, kind of caters to us um, as long as it doesn't get too hot. But, um, you know, we'll start really quick. I kind of run you through a couple corners. So you go up into turn one, and you have a big elevation change going up, right? So with that sort of um, compression the car builds, you can really maximize your brake zone there and try to brake as late as possible. But the key there is not to go too far because you get up on the top of the hill and you're carrying too much speed. The car gets a little bit light before you turn left, and you'll end up you know, going wide. But the way the track kind of is built in that whole sector um, you know, you can kind of get away with being a little bit wide because sometimes you can kind of use the exit curve and so forth to carry that momentum, mm-hmm. that momentum and so forth. But, you know, then you fly down all the way up to the S's and, you know, that whole, that whole range of corners there, I mean, it's got to be, you know, what, shoot, five or six, seven corners there. The funny thing about that whole section is if you mess up one corner, it takes you maybe two or three <laughs> back to your line. Yep. So it's very easy to drop half a second there um, without realizing it. You know, where you go to a normal track and it doesn't have as many S's, you know, you miss one little corner, you might lose two tenths, a tenth. Well, there you're going to miss a half a second, and that's a big, that's a big chunk and a lap that's that, that's that long. So, so really being precise through the S's is, is probably the most important thing um, and not, not trying to charge in there too fast. You want to kind of – you know, you want to charge in decent speed, but you really want to start to build your momentum throughout the S's and then really try to hammer it on the last couple before you get, uh, you know, down to the straight towards the hairpin. And then basically from there, you have your hairpin on the back straightaway, which again is a heavy brake zone. You have to, you have to make sure you really kind of uh, get the car rotated 
Um, you know, so you can get the straight power down on the exit because it's so tight there, and they put those those orange rumble strips on the exit that if you don't have the car really tight on egg, on, on uh, apex to really get full to the power, you're going to end up running at a track, and you have to, to lift. So obviously, that's going to hurt you down the straightaway. And from there, you have a really a really technical section where it's another hairpin that leads to a lot of transitions. You know, a left to a right, back to a left, and it's kind of like a double apex funky left and then you have your carousel there so that whole section that's really slow that's a technical section again is a big place where you can lose time so making sure you're nice and smooth really flowing through the corners and again trying to maximize your acceleration and get the car rotated is going to be important and then from there you have the fast uh, carousel which is a tricky corner it's got a lot of different apexes there a lot of different avenues to get speed and then you have your final two corners but the one corner I just really want to touch on real quick is the second to last corner. I can't remember the number. 19. Yeah. <laughs> 19. That's that's always the corner I think that gets everybody yep. because it's a fast corner, but you have a decrease in elevation, and then you have this huge runoff area. So in the past where they allowed us to run out there sometimes and really run far out, it kind of, <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of made the show look a little <laughs> funky. But, but because of the elevation change, because of the speed of that corner, it typically creates – a pretty big oversteer on the way into the corner. So you have to be very cautious with how much brake pedal you have. And it's very easy to lose the car there. So even though it's one corner versus like the S's or whatever, that one corner I think is always one of the most tricky spots of the track for me. You know what, Lawson? Uh, the the very first race that was run at Coda, we were all out there 2012 when the Formula One race came to town. We they were we were all astounded on nineteen virtually every single car the track was so green and the asphalt mm-hmm. was just like ice but everybody you know at the at the highest level there everybody lost it on nineteen but uh, yep. but I, I love what you said about the S's back in the back you know five six seven eight that that yeah. if you do you mess up one. And you don't just lose a couple tenths or one tenth or what, because of one corner. You you get the whole car out of whack. And and I've yeah. heard other drivers say well, the same. Yeah, uh, Lawson, you'll appreciate this. Mario Andretti said pretty much the same thing. If you don't get those first couple of turns right, <laughs> right. you've blown right. your entire lap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why at a place like that, you know, even though even the track's very long, and so a lot of people would expect you to have lots of lots of uh, passing opportunities, but in the end. You don't have an extremely long straightaway anywhere on the track, which I which I like. I mean, I think that's cool because it's just constant corners and it really brings out the driver and everybody. But it's it makes qualifying that much more important. It, it makes strategy for the IMSA race that much more important, and your pit stops that much more important. So that's a track where it's very hard to rebound. So you really have to be on your game at all times. And, and, and I like places like that because I think that really shows the true character of certain drivers and teams. And if they're, they're on their game, you know, they're going to do well. Well, you know what? We're so excited that IMSA is I'm, – I'm ecstatic that it's a separate event this year. You know, it's funny. I loved having IMSA and WEC together here in Austin. And it, it was a really amazing weekend. But yep. now we've got two separate <laughs> events, and yep. I, I love it. And you guys coming uh, May 4th and 6th, and you talk about the heat. I mean, it, it, it's funny. You guys, you're coming both in May and in September, back when the Pirelli World Challenge. And both of those are kind of on the, the beginning of the heat and, and potentially after the heat. I mean, you never know with Austin. Right. You, you could easily be 100 degrees on either one of those days. But more yep. than likely, it won't be. So you're, you're picking some pretty good times, but man, I love the uh, 
the IMSA event by itself, being able to everybody get down up close to the cars, and what were you saying, less kids twelve and under free? And stuff. It's yeah, a, this it's a cool. Uh, it's twelve family. and under. So uh, with an adult, twelve yeah. and under get in free. Hey, you know, one of the yeah. things, so, you know, we've become friends with the Stevenson teams, and one of the things that is cool, you definitely got to come down, and, uh, you know, when you can catch Lawson, he'll stop, shake your hand, get a picture. You know, it is so much fun, uh, this event, but especially, come check out these guys, come visit the paddock area, uh, it's a great close-up, and it's a great atmosphere to actually be back in the paddock, it's one of the races you get to do that. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think... You know, it was very cool that all of us got got to see the the WEC cars run and so forth. And I think it was obviously a, a really great show for the fans. But as a series, from a series perspective, I think they did the right thing by splitting the races, and it allows us to get back, you know, and to be the lead show on that weekend. And, and I think it really showcases what IMSA is doing right now. And you know, I, I think over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of confusion. You know, you have four classes, you have yeah. all these different cars, and, it, and it, it kind of can be tough for a fan to really relate to what we're trying to do. But I think after, you know, LNPC goes away after this year, and then you have, you know, prototype, you have GTE, and then GTD. And then I think over the next couple of years, I think all of us are hoping to see a GT convergence happen sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And then you have, at that point, then you have two classes. You have prototype and GT. And if that's how it ends up going in the next couple of years, I think that race weekend is going to explode. And I think it's going to be a really great event for a lot of people. People like seeing prototypes. There's not that many of them, but people really like to see yeah. that technology and those aero and all the stuff that happens with them. But, you know, the GT classes, in my mind, from, from just kind of a purist standpoint, I think that's really where it's at. It's because the people can truly relate to those cars. And when they see them out there and they see how many cars we have on track every weekend, I think the fans are going to love the show. I think they're going to have a great time, and and we always love coming to Austin. I think it's one of the best cities on the circuit for sure. Um, you guys mentioned barbecue. Who doesn't like barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I love coming back there, and I can't wait to do it. It's it's a great town, great city, and, and obviously a great track. And they have they have amazing fans. Well, we're excited, and it's always uh, when you guys come. It's always a fantastic event, and. Uh, a, what is it, two-hour and 40-minute race? It's awesome. I love mm-hmm. the IMSA race and all the sports cars. So, Well, uh, Lawson, also you're coming for the uh, the Pirelli World Challenge in September, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's, Get his uh, second round of barbecue. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that's totally true, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. It's, it's you know, actually, uh, last time I was there, um, shoot. Well, no, no, it wasn't the last time I was there. It was, it was a World Challenge race beforehand or whatever it was. It was at the beginning of the year. We ended up eating at this place called Coop, I think the Cooper or Cooper's, Coopers or something like that downtown. And uh, I think right now that's become my favorite. <laughs> I, you know, I like I like Salt Lake. I like all the other ones and everything, but that's so far been my favorite. So I always love going back there so I can get my get my Cooper fix on. But um, but but now talking about Pearly World Challenge, you know. If, one thing that was really unique to me last year and in the year before that, you know, Coda was the sort of the, the headlining event, or sorry, Coda was the first event on the World Challenge schedule. And I remember it was two years ago. I wasn't running World Challenge. I was only there coaching some people because I, I wasn't able to run both series because of the conflicts. And I remember sitting up in the stands and I was I was watching one of the races because I was like I said I was coaching someone, and it was the GT race at that time. 
and there was there was a decent amount of fans there. It was out near um, right before the carousel in that whole technical section. Yeah. And there were so many kids and so many families going, oh, look at the McLaren. Oh, look at the Bentley. <laughs> oh, look at the, the Audi. And and it was that, I think that one uh, scene or whatever you want to say, right, right there, it really clicked with me that, you know, we really have something special going on with, with World Challenge as well. Because, you know, even though there's different classes and there's different races, but we've eliminated, like I was just talking about, the confusion of sports car racing. And the World Challenge race, I think, is very unique because it's only GTA cars on the track or it's only GTS cars on track. So people can really understand what's going on yeah, throughout the weekend. Yeah, good point, good point. And, and I think this year, I think it's even more exciting because the, the GT class has obviously been very strong. You've got tons of GT3 cars out there. You got new ones coming in. You got you know development cars. I mean, there's so many cool things happening in that side of the of the series. Now in GTS, we have the GT4 class coming along, and, and with with the team I'm racing for, Black Dog Speed Shop, we've got two GT4 Chevrolet Camaros coming in this year. And I think now you've got two races that people can watch. They can truly relate to the cars. You have really you know cool looking, fast, sexy, you know beautiful amazing you know i can go on and on and on about all these cars but you've got some incredible machinery on track and yeah. i and think stuff they can relate to as well i mean that's exactly. what i think that's what makes it so exciting it, you know guys come in their camaro and then see you racing in a camaro exactly and that's that's the spirit of sports car racing right there and that's why i think we're at the ground floor of kind of an explosion in this sport because you know, every manufacturer wants to be involved in, in sports car racing right now. You've got, I think, 14 different GT3 manufacturers, and soon I think you're going to have at least a dozen GT4 manufacturers coming in. And it it really goes to show you that, you know, they're realizing the benefits of this sport, and it's because the fans can, like you said, relate to the cars, and then manufacturers can actually, um, you know, prove what their car is capable of against the competition. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. It's about bragging rights. Yeah, it's about, it's about taking that Camaro, beating the Mustang. You know, yeah. I mean, I know that it's a rival. It's a rivalry, and it's and it's a great rivalry. They should have that, and it because it pushes each company to get better and better and better. So I'm excited to be a part of it, and um, you know, I can't wait to get that Camaro on track. Awesome race, race on Sunday, sell on Monday. Yeah, Let's there do you it. Go. Exactly. Well, Lawson, Lawson, Austin Beck, we really appreciate you coming on Speed City again. We're so excited to have you, and uh, look forward to seeing you here in Austin both times when you come here, and we'll uh, we'll get the barbecue set out for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. All right, Call talk to you soon. And uh, talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks. All right, well, we got to take a break, guys. We'll be right back after these messages. Speed City Live from Austin. Welcome to Name Your License Plate. I'm Biff Biffington. All right, Mary Lou, for the cash, the drip, and a new car, name your license plate. Easy. My plate is ADD24. ACL, ATM, ABC, ACDC, AAA. I can't remember my plate. You should have gotten a personal Texas plate from MyPlates.com. They're so memorable. And I could have saved 40% with a five-year commitment. Be a winner and order your personalized license plate from MyPlates.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. 
With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. The Racetrack. It's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey. Because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Want to drive your car at speed on Circuit of the Americas? Edge Addicts is your source for more Coda events and more Coda track time. Whether you're looking to host your own event or just be a part of the action, Edge Addicts can get you in the driver's seat and racing like a pro. All levels of drivers and all types of cars are welcome, with instructors available for first-time and novice drivers. Life is short, and adventure is around every corner. So plan your high-adrenaline experience with Edge Addicts at edgeaddicts.com. Edge Addicts, it's better when you're driving. Here, when you need us, Talk 1370 is the right choice. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. You know, when Lawson was talking about the kids in the stand, our kids out on the right uh, on turn two, or I think it was, and yeah. talking about them in the stadium area, yeah, and all and, that, yeah. Well, what he was talking about when the kids said something about a Bentley, and I was thinking that was one of the most unusual things. It's always unusual to see yeah. a giant Bentley, yeah. Adderley Fong, hey, he is still rocking it, you know, and so I'm anxious to see him this year, how he does with that, yeah. But, uh, you know, definitely, like I said, be sure and come on out to the IMSA races May 5th and 6th. And, uh, you know, the kids, honestly, grab some earplugs and bring sunscreen and earplugs and y'all be set for a great weekend. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, let's jump into some two-wheel less. You said something about some lost winglets? Absolutely. What the heck is a lost winglet? You're, you're stuck on food tonight. <laughs> hey, this is the new, you know, lesson or restriction for the year. 2017, no more external winglets. The Ducati's been clipped. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't mean that's the end. You can have what they're calling internal winglets. So, in other words, more aerodynamics basically inside the fairing, huh. allowing air inside, very F1 esque if you think yeah, about yeah. it, allow it to enter into the front opening behind the front tire and use that to create downforce as well. So. I think it. I think the move from an external wing to an internal winglet mm-hmm. uh, could have been around injury. You know, that's a pretty sharp little blade there, and so uh, yeah, you know, definitely there, fictional. Did we have any injuries with that last year? I'm trying to remember. I don't. I don't. I don't recall any injuries, just, but you know, honestly, I could see it happening. I'm glad they didn't wait. I don't know if that was a big part of that, but uh, Suzuki and Aprilia and Ducati were all playing with those. Uh, this week at the Phillip Island test. And yep. so that is something that's going on. They don't seem to be quite as effective as the external winglets that we saw, you know, on the outside of the fairings. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, certainly I got to follow up on uh, what's going on with Jorge Lorenzo after dressing in red. Uh, he had a good had a good session. 
he uh, still making some personal adjustments to the Ducatis, but uh, you know nothing real scary. They do have some things going on. He was pleased with where he landed. Uh, after the first couple of days at Phillip Island. Getting, getting used to giant power in the Ducatis. Yeah, you know, that is very different. You know, we always saw the Ducati on the straightaway. If they were lined up to the Yamahas, they gave them a solid run and usually wound up out front. And so this is going to be something that's a little bit different. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. I'm hoping it gets a handle on the turns and brings the turning speed to it. All right, and you can go, and of course, MotoGP coming to Austin, April twenty first through twenty third. All right, we got to wrap it up. Unfortunately, we uh, I love having Lawson on, but no, we we went long that on that technical segment. lap was awesome. Yeah, that's something uh, we'll put that in the archives because that was cool, and, and I love what he said about all the the specifics along those lines. So. And, of course, that is uh, IMSA, May 5th and 6th at Circuit of the Americas in the Pirelli World Challenge, September 2nd and 3rd. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Speed City tonight. Check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. And if you don't follow us on social, do it because we put out a lot of content during the week. You're missing out. You're missing out. Speedcaster on Twitter and uh, Speed City Broadcast on Facebook. Talk to you next week. Travel safe, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.